Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Keep show with Fitzy here on WEEI. Did you see uh, Robert Kraft at the Celtics game in New York tonight? Courtside, along with uh, John McEnroe and Jim Gaffigan. That is a Not celebrity bingo card I never would have been able to figure out. Whoopi Goldberg never. there as well. Oh, is she really? Yeah, the coach, of, the, uh, the coach of, of uh, Eddie. Remember the uh, film Eddie? God, God, what is a great one. All-timer. Oh, Eddie, a classic movie. Uh, uh, yeah. I also... Robert Kraft gave, somebody was just making something of it on the X moments ago. Sure. Robert Kraft gave Jason Tatum one of those, like, extra long grandpa, like, I just want to let you know how proud I am of you, like, handshakes that, you know, where the other hand crept up the arm and Tatum was like, all right, I, I got to go play a game. I have a game to play. I appreciate you too, sir. Would you say it was a warmer embrace than that of Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft from Ew. the Hall of Fame induction ceremony? I would certainly say, I would, that was a, talk about a wet fish. It was ice cold. That was ice cold. <laughs> that was freezing. Yeah, that was, right. that was strange. In a sea full of Belichick doing that weird, awkward, like, happy guy walk that he does, yeah. like borderline penguin-esque at times. A little and then, bit. Like, yeah, then he just gives all these huge bro hugs, and then you know, Kraft is like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, good game. Good game. Yeah, I'll leak something we'll up tomorrow morning. Wait till you hear what I get for rap sheet. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I can't wait to see yeah, the look on your Howell face. You're fire me, which is well. yeah. <laughs> a nice battle those two have been having uh, off the field. It's that certainly enjoyable. Well, after a, uh, a very long and exhaustive search, mm-hmm. the Boston Red Sox have found their next chief baseball officer. Uh, it happened to be the only person in baseball that wanted the job. And that would be former Red Sox reliever and former uh, Cubs front office man, mm-hmm. Craig Breslow. And I'm only half joking when I say this. A couple of weeks ago, uh, when actually a month or so ago, when Bloom got fired. Mm-hmm. And I like half jokingly tweeted out, hey, Red Sox, just letting you know I'm interested in the job. Yep, You were one of many who... Yep. Put his LinkedIn page up for view. Uh, you know, turns out o- opened all the DMs. Yeah, everything. get in there. Send me, send me, a, congratulate me on my work anniversary. Do whatever you want to do over there. Turns out I was a lot closer to getting the job than I ever imagined because <laughs> nobody wanted it. They wouldn't even do interviews. My guess is they sit, sat down with Craig Breslow and they were like, "You're the only person that's accepted our offer to even interview you." So our first question is, "When can you start?" Because we have no other options at this point. It was Breslow or bust because it was it was amazing. Like, the biggest story, we can get it to Breslow and, like, who knows what kind of GM he's going to be or even allowed to be based on how John Henry has spent over recent years compared to previous seasons. But wasn't that the biggest takeaway to you, too, that, like, nobody wanted to run the Red Sox? I can't believe how many other baseball personnel and talent managers and evaluators just flat out said, like, Hard pass. Like, isn't Kim Eng, <laughs> like, after she left the Marlins, like, she's, yeah. I'm sure she's confident in her abilities and believes that she'll land on her feet and snag a nice job one day soon, but she just flat out said no. Right. She was, people wouldn't even fly in, take the interview. Why not take the interview? What if no. all of a sudden nope. you're going to hear, like, we'll pay you triple what you thought you were going to get? Nope, don't want and it. And you can have a $250 million payroll. Nope, no thanks. 
So there's is there one stunning? There's a number of reasons as to why this job might not be a uh, like a marquee job. Like you would think you'd be one of the five best jobs in baseball. It's supposed to be. It should be. However, look at the last two guys. Dave Dombrowski won a World Series and then was fired a year later. Hit the bricks, fella. Take a hike. Take your World Series ring and pack, pack that up. Pack up all that stuff. The, the, one of the greatest teams in the franchise history in 2018, and we're going to let a match to it because our double-A team isn't as good as it should be. Kick rocks. And then the next guy who they hired, who they probably shouldn't have hired, but they hire him, things don't go great, and so he's the, he's here for, what, four years, and then he's the... Just about. Just about. Yes, four years, and then he's the scapegoat. And I'm not saying they should have kept him. I'm just saying if you are a candidate for this job and you see how what happened to Dombrowski and Bloom, you're like, all right, there's not a lot of job security. I don't know whether the team wants to spend as a top five payroll, top ten payroll. Are they looking to creep down into the middle of the pack? And there's the other part of I'm inheriting a manager. It seems like Alex Cora is very confident that he's going to be back. Apparently I have no say in that. And is he also going to have more of a say in the players than I am? Like, this is this doesn't seem like a job that comes with, like, full responsibility of running the team. No, you're not just, like, granted sovereignty and autonomy. No. You're basically given limitations. And maybe for Breslow, it's a it's an elevation for him. So it's a, it's a raise. He's definitely ascending yeah. as far as, like, the baseball pecking order, the front office pecking order goes. But he must just either have an affinity for the Red Sox or want to undertake whatever challenge it is because it almost feels like whoever takes on chief baseball officer, general manager, whatever the hell title they give them, yeah, it almost feels like you're going to be operating with restrictor plates mm-hmm. or, a to- or a timeline or both because it, it sounds to me now like Core is going to just basically jump up to the front office in like two, three, maybe four years. Right, and if he's doing that, and like the thought is that he's doing that, if it comes down to... You know, let's say maybe not, you know, a $300 million player, but even like a $100 million player. If Craig Breslow really likes one of them and Alex Cora likes the other, like who wins that? It should be Breslow, but I feel like Cora has way more of a backing with Henry and those guys, and, and Cora would win that out. I I think you're 1,000% right. Yeah. They, if, if Cora doesn't like some metric or has a guy that he has his heart set on, is it basically going to be him dictating terms to Breslow like, Figure out a way to go get that. Right. Figure out a way to make that happen. Like, here's what we want. I mean, obviously, your manager should have some degree of input because who knows the players better. Oh, yeah. I, I have no but, problem with that. But at the same time, like, this guy, I thought, or that position should be making those decisions. This was also from, I saw Chris Cotillo tweeted this out. This was from the team's release. There was uh-huh. no press conference or anything today, but there was a release including, like, John Henry had some quotes in there. So did Sam Kennedy, who said, quote, what truly distinguished Breslow were the resounding character references from former teammates, including David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, David Ross, Brock Holt, and Kevin Euclid. Okay. So at your next job interview, if you want to cite five or six of your friends yep. and put them down as references, and maybe they'll call you and, and be like, hey, does uh, is, is Pete, you know, what, what kind of guy is Pete? Like, oh, Pete's a great guy. Oh, nice. nice. Everyone thinks Pete. Everyone knows Pete's a great guy. I love Pete. Like, nobody, nobody shows up randomly on you know, Donut Friday with a second box more than Pete. <laughs> he's the best guy. You got to hire oh, him. The, oh, you got to hire him. Pete. I don't know if he'd be good at the job, but he's the best guy in the world. Well, like, let me uh, ask you this. Do you think that do you think that Craig Breslow is now basically the chief pitching officer 
who's doubling in title as like your baseball general manager because obviously he worked with pitching in Chicago. Yes, and yes, that's his forte. So has he almost been brought here to like be a GM? In name and clothing only. Well, but it's he's funny because really gonna... I, I thought that too because his name came up last week and you were like, all right, if he's going to be the pitching expert, like, does that mean he's just taking on Heim Bloom's entire role? Because there's more than just the pitching, which they certainly need to clean up. Oh, but yeah. I re- like him focusing on pitching and him working with Theo Epstein. I do view as positives. Like th- those mm-hmm. are two positive things. He was a teammate of Alex Cora back in the day, right? They were both in that 06 team. So maybe he and Cora will work great together, and like hopefully that's the case. Yeah, they have a relationship, so that's a I right. mean, That's a that's a plus. But you, ownership and management, et cetera, can't sell me a bill of goods like, oh, you know, we tried to talk to some other people, but that's just because we were doing due diligence. Well, no, we they always had our sights set on. No, there's no chance he might have been the fifteenth option, and that's the ones that we know about. Like, think about how public all of these. Uh, turned down interviews became like every week or every day it seemed like you'd see a different Red Sox beat writer or even a national guy being like so-and-so is taking his name out of the running and you're like okay why uh although I think we've kind of figured it out so Breslow was in the front office with the Cubs since 2019 he was originally the director of strategic initiatives for baseball operations that's too long a title you gotta we, you, you gotta can love we it. just do away with no. like any job title should not have more than five words it should have like two things and that's why like with all my friends my in like in in the in real life if you're not like a teacher a firefighter or a cop i really don't know what you do mm-hmm. there's too many like there's too many things you do this that and the other for a company i've never heard of like god bless you but i don't know what you really do my favorite, most nebulous term in terms of a profession, like engineer can be a lot of different things, but it tells me that you've you've applied some sciences, you maybe some trade, you know what you're doing, you can sure. fix some stuff, you can you can fix things. Yeah. I design them. Um, what is a consultant? They consult. Right. Right. With with like, people oh, who I'm, need uh, consulting. I'm, a, I'm an executive <laughs> consultant. What does that mean? I'm on the, I'm on the upper echelon of the consultants, I would say. Yeah, like now Jeff Van Gundy, consultant. he's a senior consultant. Right. Yeah, it's pretty good. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I, you could probably put it on your LinkedIn. No one's going to question it. You're like, yeah, I'm a consultant. So then he went from director of strategic initiatives for baseball operations to director of pitching slash special assistant to the president and general manager. So it sounds like he has to get two people coffee, not just the one. Then he was assistant general manager slash vice president pitching. Hmm. And then the Red Sox have hired him as the chief baseball officer. So Look at that. that's Craig Breslow. Uh, Fitz, let's go to the phones right now. And not on a typical night do we interview, or I'm sorry, just, just even talk on the phone with a presidential candidate. But that's what we're going to do right now. Daryl Constantine joins us next from Miami. Daryl, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm very good. And uh, thank you very much for having me on. I, I'm not a traditional candidate, so... Right. So hopefully we can have a good conversation here. So. And, and yeah. I know, you know, we've got just a certain amount of time, but I'm really doing the rounds on correcting a foundational falsehood that has really wreaked havoc on the Patriots organization. Great. Um, without going into the whole Brady versus Belichick, I mean, we could do that some other time. Sure. and I'm happy to do that for ad nauseum. Okay. But the, the reality is, is that a narrative was pushed out and it was taken and run with, and it's not true. And that narrative is that Bill Belichick pushed Tom Brady out, that Bill Belichick wanted Tom Brady out. And that is not true. That is a false narrative that was planted to protect Brady's reputation from the reality that that was a choice that he made. Okay, And the facts 
the facts that we know, these are some simple things that we know. We know that when he went to Mr. Kraft's house, Mr. Kraft asked him, what would it take to stay? And Tom Brady told him that there was, it was, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, but prior to that, Daryl, let me just jump in real quick. Prior to that, yeah. it was it yeah. was reported in a lot of places, and maybe you're claiming this is untrue, that Brady just mm-hmm. wanted the Drew Brees contract. He wanted two years, $50 million, and Belichick and Kraft were unwilling to do that. And then so it got to the point where his contract ran out. That would have satisfied him, $25 million a year, and he, still, he would have been here, would have retired a Patriot. They said no to that, which is why a lot of people think he was forced out. Yeah, I, I just I don't buy that. What I do know is that in his last contract, which isn't often reported, is that a clause was written in there that there could be no franchise tag used on him. Yeah, we know that. So that's not yeah. generally that's not generally a thing that a person who's concerned about getting paid competitively has put into their contract. Well, what about a thing we about respect? Maybe he felt like he should get a multi-year deal. They didn't want to do it, and then he, that was fully team control. If you have if the if yeah. they can franchise you, the, oh, only the team likes to franchise player. There's not a single player ever who is like to be franchised. Yeah, that's right. And I, I don't I don't buy that premise. I, I don't believe that Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick were not willing to sign Brady up long term. I believe that that conversation was going on at a time where Brady's handlers, the people really running his life, if you take a look at his actions off of the court, Giselle primarily and Guerrero and some of these people, if you look at, at that stuff, they wanted to pivot him away from that so that he could move away from being Tom Brady the Patriot to being Tom Brady the product. And he was sold that bill of goods, and he's off doing that, and he's running that course and, and doing you know that thing. Um, but the facts on the ground, the things that we know, the real things, is that that's built into it. So you're telling me that, you know, he wasn't. They weren't willing to pay him twenty-five million a year, but then he puts in a franchise tag that he can't get paid thirty a year to retain him. Um, well, at that so point, it's because they didn't want him. So why would he give them the control for it? And then at that point, maybe he wanted a two-year deal then as well. Yeah, so there's been plenty of stuff reported about what what Brady wanted, and he was still very much a business by the time he was leaving here. All the the TB12 stuff was out there. He was shooting his own documentaries. He was doing plenty of stuff. That's right. So he, he was That's a business right. at that point. That's right. And they, and they recognized that in order to fully allow him to embrace that, that he needed to separate from the Patriots. And that was, that was what they wanted. And well, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, Daryl, I disagree. I mean, I don't, so the, basically the stuff there, Fitzy, that mm-hmm. doesn't fit the argument. He just says, I don't think it's true. So that's fine. If you want to, if you want to play it that way, we could do the same thing. Like, you could look at it that way if you want to. It's sure. it, you could pretend, you could frame it that way. I mean, I heard a few things behind the scenes. People, you know, each side was, you know, not necessarily pleased with the way things had evolved or the people had changed. But to your point that you made moments ago, that's kind of where I stand. I hate that he left. I wish the organization yeah. also did everything they could have to retain him. But straight up, straight up. Things never would have gotten to where they went with Brady if he felt more appreciated by the organization and if yeah. Belichick didn't have to Belichick things up and had just given him the victory lap contract Good point. that he deserved. Whether he won or lost yeah. at the end of it, I think that would have been best for all parties. Well, but here we are. And there's plenty of examples of that. Remember when Tom Brady like sliced his hand open in practice and then Bill in the press conference was like, well, it's not like it was open heart surgery. Like even at that point, just like downplaying everything. And so no, that didn't go that. No. However poorly you thought that went over with Brady or any of the people in the room. I've heard beyond that. It went over much, much worse. Yeah. Yeah. So it was no, all, no one on the team was cool with that. It was all stuff like that. Like yeah. they were, I think you, the best case you could have for it is 
maybe Bill and Robert were waiting to call his bluff. Maybe they were like, all right, this is headed towards him leaving, but he's not really going to leave. He's Tom Brady. He's been here forever. He's he's taken less on contracts throughout most of his career. So we don't think he's actually going to leave. Like, that's the one thing I could I could maybe believe. But Yeah. And who, don't you just love it? It's a random, random. It's a random Wednesday. Yep. It's a would you rather Wednesday. And would you rather candidate. continue talking Craig Breslow or yep. have a Republican presidential candidate call in and debate Brady versus Belichick? Yeah, not bad. How about that? Stiz, you got any background on that gentleman there? Well, he, he called. He's been wanting to talk to you, Rich, for a few days now. And uh, when he first called, you were out. And uh, yeah. I thought it was like a prank. But no. then I Googled him. And real, 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 yeah, he's yeah. the real deal. He he does want to run for president. Now, the he's problem very is, passionate on the Brady thing. Once we get into like you know the primary and things like that, we do have to I think, legally give equal time. So yeah, we would, we'd right. probably we'll need a Democratic find, candidate. Right, we'll have to find a Democrat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, halftime over at the Celtics game right now, Fitzy. The C's lead the Knicks 51-46. to Chris Tapp's Porzingis, 15 points in the first half. Jason Tatum has 19. So he's very close to that uh, over-under number of 25.5 to this point. There's Jalen Brown with a uh, $300 million five-point effort. Yep. Low for three from three, two from seven from the floor. Mm-hmm. So tonight it was Holiday White, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis that got the start Al Horford, clearly the sixth man. And then after that, we have seen Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser, and Luke the Mort- the Murder Cornet in there for five oh, minutes. The Cornet got a little action. Yeah, sure yeah they had a 12-point lead for the majority of the first half. Looks like the Knickerbockers yep. closed things up a little bit in the second quarter. Five-point lead at halftime. Lower scoring affair than one would have potentially assumed. Sure. Because you had Celtics on the money line, so that looks uh-huh. to be still pretty good right now. I had Celtics twenty five and a half or uh, Tatum twenty five and a half points, looking good. Uh, yeah, not looking too shabby. And uh, Stiz had Jalen Brown over two and a half threes. Oh, he's over three. He'll have to get all of those in the second half, but yep. you know it's still very possible. And we already gave you the court. Like all the stars are out: Robert Kraft, Jim Gaffigan, John McEnroe, and Whoopi, Whoopi. Goldberg. Yes. All there courtside for the uh, Knicks and the Celtics. And we're both very much looking forward to Victor Wembayama making his NBA debut uh, around 9.30. Yeah, 9.30. So just after this one against Luka Doncic. What a time. Oh, and and don't forget Karee. Poor Luka, man. I know. It's like, hey, we've given you nobody to play with. I guess poor Zingas, but then that didn't work. And they're like, well, now we're going to give you Kyrie and we're going to re-sign Kyrie. Like, oh, my God. Brutal. All right, we can, uh, we can discuss the C's a little bit here at halftime. We'll also, uh, if you have any thoughts on Craig Breslow and what his responsibilities would even be, uh, we can get to that as well. It's 617-779-7937. It's Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy right now. Here's Stiz with What's Trending. Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI. That's right. Celtics regular season began tonight in New York. Celtics taking on the Knicks right now at halftime. The Celtics up 51 to 46. The Bruins beat the Blackhawks 3-0 last night on the road in Chicago. Bruins now 6-0 to start the season, tying a record they set in 1937 in the 1938 season. They'll be back on the ice tomorrow night when they'll host the Ducks at the TD Garden. Puck drop at 7 p.m. Patriots will be in Miami this Sunday for week eight of the season against the Dolphins. Malik Cunningham and Trey Flowers were both released by the team yesterday. Malik Cunningham has cleared waivers and will be re-signing with the Patriots practice squad. Outside linebacker Josh Uche back on the field today missing after he missed all of last week with knee and foot injuries. 
And after adding an additional practice in each of the previous two weeks, the Patriots went light today. They had non-padded practices to kick things off getting ready for the Dolphins. Patriots scheduled to practice again Thursday and Friday before they fly out to Miami. The Patriots have not won in Miami since 2019. The Red Sox have signed former reliever Craig Breslow as GM. After concluding his playing career in 2018, Breslow signed on with the Cubs as their director of strategic initiatives for baseball operations. The following year, the Cubs bumped him to assistant GM, a title he's held for the last three years. And the Diamondbacks will be facing the Rangers in the World Series after they beat the Phillies last night 4-2 in Philadelphia. Game one of the World Series goes down Friday night in Texas. First pitch at 8.03. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Rich Key Show coming up. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Say WEI is a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEI. They say these bonds are like COVID. You get them right off the bat. Tracked it with SARS and Corona. Like you took a bite off of that. Then it goes from Martian to human. That's how the virus attacks. They come at me with machine guns. Like trying to fight off a net. Back here on the Rich Keefe Show, WEEI with Fitzies. We're taking you up until 10 o'clock. Revolution fans, you're going to want to tune in 9 o'clock. Dave Romney's going to join us. The Revs get set for the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs, taking on Philly on Saturday. Let's go. But in the meantime, Fitzy, any final thoughts on Patriots Bills before we start to turn our attention to Patriots Dolphins? Any final thought I have about that game that doesn't pertain to the the entire season lived and died on that day. Like the joy that I experienced as a fan, mm-hmm. that I, the shreds of fandom that I still preserve having worked in media in this town for half a decade or more. Like they were the better of the two teams because they made fewer mistakes and they took advantage of a team that didn't bring its a game and came in with an air of entitlement. And all I can say is I, I'll feel I, I, I can't really levy my final, any other thoughts on that game, rich until I see them play one more game because you know, if they go out and they lay an absolute steamer against yeah. the dolphins on Sunday, a dolphins team that as we're coming to learn is a little more dinged up than advertised. If the Pats go out there and just absolutely suck like they have in South Beach so many years of recent past, then what does it matter? But I'll feel yeah, a whole no, lot better if they follow it up with a nice little yes and. Oh, definitely. And that's the thing is like there was so because of how bad they were for the three game stretch for them to snap out of it. The fourth quarter comeback for Mac Jones, them actually scoring first, playing with a lead, even though they lost the lead, they were able to fight back and uh, and get the win. Yeah, there was so much of the. All right, is that a one-off? Like, is that it? Is that because plenty of bad teams, like very very few teams, go zero and sixteen or one and fifteen or two and fourteen. So there's plenty of bad teams that find ways to win games and even beat good teams, right? Like mm-hmm. the Patriots were examples of like head scratching losses. We've seen uh, this year the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. There's going to be some more we- like almost every weekend. There's weird ones. So you're like, all right, how much of this is the Bills? But I didn't want to take anything away from. The Patriots, but so much of that, even Sunday afternoon, was are they going to be able to do this again? And what a test to play Miami, mm-hmm. who is had, a perfect follow up game. It really is because if they beat Miami now, Tyreek Hill's hurt currently. Raheem Mostert's banged up. You know, eight chance already out. They do have yeah, <laughs> they do have a lot of. 
So it might not be the full go Dolphins, but you know what? So bad. It's not the full go Patriots. It's not the full go. A lot of teams are around the NFL. Yeah, there's, Patriots there's are without injuries. their two best defenders for yeah. the remainder of the season. They will never have the offensive line that they thought they would have. Yeah, so we're they, never. They we're not feeling bad for anybody. No, you, it's not your fault. Who like? Now you could also run the whole idea of like it's not your fault who you play against. You only can play the teams and the players that they bring that are on the schedule. That's what the Patriots did. They took advantage of bad quarterbacks and whomever they had to face over the last couple of years. Sunday, it still wasn't Bills at max capacity, but it was still the Bills. It was still Josh Allen. It was still Steph Diggs, and they made their mistakes, and the Pats capitalized, and they got it done. If the Patriots can follow up with another rock-solid effort, we're going to feel so much better about it because that will be a pivot point. It will be momentous for Mac Jones that he has cleared a hurdle and has gained the confidence he needed after finally completing that kind of comeback drive. But if they go out and just absolutely get their junk handed to them Sunday, then who cares? <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's devastating. It really would be. I don't think they're gonna though. Spoiler alert: I really don't think they're gonna get their. Uh, they're gonna get waxed on Sunday. Well, what's curious about Miami, and this has been a, a big talking point, especially after the loss to Philadelphia, is they've only played two good teams and they've lost to both of those teams. They lost to Buffalo. They actually got pants pretty good by Buffalo. Mm. And then they lost by two touchdowns. And I don't even know if it was that close against Philadelphia. Philadelphia definitely felt like they had that game they in, in control. Game. Yeah, They definitely dominated. So these are the wins for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the LA Chargers, who we're right. seeing week after week, are pretty bad. It's a pretty right. bad outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New England Patriots, we all remember week two. The Denver Broncos, that is the game in which the Dolphins scored 70 points, which is outrageous. Like, even if you were playing uh, Georgia Tech, like, that's pretty crazy to score 70 points in an NFL game. Yeah, it is. And they could have, remember, they could have gone for 73 in the NFL record, but Mike McDaniel, out of deference to Sean Payton, yeah. took a knee. He's like, no. That's not, he's like, we're, chasing, we're not chasing points. It's like, well, you scored 70 of them. Uh, and then they also beat the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers, two of the absolute worst teams in the league. And so I understand, like, that mm-hmm. is the schedule, but it's seven games now, and the only two good teams they played beat them. So you start to wonder, like, all right, well, how good is Miami? Like, like Buffalo clearly was... If you'd watched Buffalo the previous two weeks, you could have maybe made a case. Now, I wasn't. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying, oh, Patriots are going to win this game. But that Giants game was really ugly. The Jaguars game was ugly, which they actually lost. So the Bills were kind of trending downward. Whereas the Dolphins, kind of an interesting one where... If you're a bad team, they're going to beat you, and they're probably going to beat you pretty handily. And then if you're a good team, you're going to, they're going to lose by a couple of scores. And this week, in addition to Tyreek Hill being dinged up, we don't know exactly what the status of Jalen Waddell is. I don't think he was on the injury report, but we know that back seized up on him pretty hard last Sunday in Philadelphia as well. That Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Waddell was a limited participant. See, he was. Today. Okay, yeah. so, so he's not full strength. Tyreek Hill definitely is dealing with something. Mostert's dealing with something. We may see Mac Jones now with his new, newly defined receiving core going down to Miami Gardens to take on Tua, the guy he is so oft compared to, with a limited set of weapons. And then we'll see exactly if, you know, oh, well, Tua should be able to cook. Tua's also not going to have his best offensive line. I think they're going to start like a third left guard. They've got a couple subs across the line because Isaiah Wynn is hurt once again. Shocker. Uh-huh. So, hey. Tua may find himself in a very Mac Jones-like situation, whereas Mac Jones may be the one who's playing confidently and riding high into the game. Uh, the injury report for the Patriots only had Keon White as out. He has the concussion. He's the only guy who missed practice. Once again, a ton of guys that were limited, but only the one that was out, whereas the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill kind of headlines the list. 
But Raheem Mostert also didn't practice. Neither did Alec Ingold and Javon Holland. And then one of their linemen was out, but it was uh, a personal reason, not an injury. And then a lot of players on their uh, limited, including Zaven Howard, mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey, who could make his debut, and the uh, the aforementioned Jalen Waddle. Actually, they had six corners limited today. <laughs> if, only, if only the Patriots were bringing down a team with Elite wide receivers. Uh, they are not. They are not. But you got to at least be uh, Jalen Rager breakout season. Here opt- it comes. Yeah, but you're optimistic that after finding a group of receivers that worked in one game, like mm-hmm. they should bring those same group of receivers back in this game. Like if it's not, and I know Kendrick Bourne fumbled. Talked about this a little bit the Do last couple of minutes. The man. Do not punish the man. No, and he's a veteran, so I th- I'm holding out hope that Belichick won't, and he'll just be like, all right. We got away with one. Be better. Let's move on. But if Bourne and Pop Douglas and then hell, maybe even Jalen Rager are your top three snap count guys for uh, Sunday at, at that position, like I'd, I'd be shocked. Yeah, because I, it's not I, like Devontae Parker like that. That ain't it. No, Devontae Parker against Xavier Howard is the ultimate losing proposition. <laughs> he used to cook him in practice. Yeah, he has cooked him in several pro games and gotten the better of him with the pick. Yeah, uh, in Miami last year, and then of course in Foxborough this year. Just please do not go back to that well. There are snakes in there. <laughs> avoided at all costs. So, a question I asked Hart yesterday. Uh, curious what your take is on more pressure for Mac Jones following the Dallas debacle going into New Orleans after maybe his worst career game, or is there more pressure this Sunday trying to follow up what might have been his best game ever? Oh, I think there was definitely more pressure and he didn't respond he didn't respond to it. The whole entire team no. the whole entire team folded around him as well. Uh, is there pressure on him this Sunday? Absolutely. But if he is the guy that he is now telling us we believe he should be, he should be able to respond to it. He should be he should stay as cool and collected as he was last Sunday when he led that game winning drive. He shouldn't let Miami's pass rush. He shouldn't let Jalen Phillips and uh, Christian Wilkins get the best of mm-hmm. like they shouldn't be living in his head. He shouldn't have to worry about Bradley Chubb. Maybe Mike Onwenu doesn't let the legend of Andrew Van Ginkle. Oh, Ginkle killed lunch him. Yeah. When he, I, oh my God, he just owned Low. Absolutely owned him. That yeah. Game. Uh, so I think in a weird way, and it goes back to our conversation about the backup quarterback. I feel like this week there might be more pressure on him because. The Saints game, there was certainly a lot of pressure because you're like, all right, how do you follow up uh, your worst game ever and people are starting to bail on you and say that you shouldn't be the starter anymore? Well, he had such a bad game, and yet the way they've handled Zappi, Greer, Cunningham, the rest of them, mm-hmm. is proof that they don't want to play any of those guys. So much so where after two horrible games, Malik Cunningham's the only backup, and he can't run a whole game at quarterback. So if anything, they were like, Mac Jones is our guy. We're going to sink or swim all season with Mac Jones. Now, if you have a bunch of bad games in a row, you're not just, you know, talking about your your job status, you're also talking about how much money potential earnings are, are down the road. Yeah. But I feel like if he has a bad game, and I mean a bad game against Miami, we're going to look at the Buffalo game as like, all right, yeah, he did it, but like what that's once a season, like one or once every yeah, we get three one of those seasons, games, like yeah. one every two seasons even. Whereas if he has uh, a game somewhat close to that, it's oh, okay. Now this is where you would start to talk yourself into, well, they figured out the O-line. It's now halfway through the season. Maybe Bill O'Brien has sort of 
uh, you know, flip the switch of some sort. They, they're playing receivers that actually help him versus the guys that are, you know, running in quicksand. Like, now you could actually talk yourself into them being somewhat productive for the second half of the season. That, and, again, like, if they go 6-4 and four over the final 10 games and finish with the same record, but they honestly turn it around, and in none of those games, Hart and I have a side bet going on right now, too, that we made on the latest Six Rings pod, which is... Uh, oh, he told me this. Yeah, I don't yeah. love your chances. Go, yeah, tell the you people do what it don't. is. I do not love your chances. Really? Yeah. Why? Okay. So what's so the, the bet? bet? Yeah. So bet on mass for the audience. The bet is uh, at no point this season will the Patriots lose another game by more than fourteen points. Yeah, I think there's a double digit loss. Or a four, I'm sorry, fourteen point loss in there. Yeah, more I mean, more than fourteen. Fourteen is a push. No, four, oh, fourteen's a push. Oh, so you push. got him. So okay, so you got him where 14 I and a half. Because okay. Andy said, what, Andy asked me, what's a blowout? And I said, I think in the modern NFL, anytime you lose by more than 14 points, 17 and up is a blowout. All right, so, yeah, they have to lose by 15. I mean, they do yeah, play the Chiefs. Games. Chiefs is the one that you certainly circle as an uh, opportunity for it. I like the way that, uh, you know. Did you see last week? Better. No, but Belichick has defended them reasonably well. Oh. He's never yeah. really gotten pants by the Chiefs. Within the Mahomes era. Yeah, but early part of the Mahomes era, he also had a different quarterback. Who's that? Belichick had a different quarterback. Oh, Tom Brady. Oh, that guy. The GOAT. Yeah. Uh, uh, Buffalo, there's an opportunity there. I know the Patriots just beat him, but you could see that one going south if things are clicking for the Bills. As in Buffalo. Big if, uh, we'll see what kind of. Let's see what the, the Bills, Bills have are smacked them around pretty good the last four year, or three years. They, oh, they smacked them. Oh, they. Yeah. Oh, they. They. They funked <laughs> a few things up. Yeah. Yo, yeah. they most certainly did. Yeah. You know, I, listen, and it was the kind of bet where even if I lose, someone, you know, there's a chance I still may win. Like I owe yeah. him a pizza, he owes me the sub of my choice. Everybody's winning at that in that point. I was gonna say, it's either wins. a pizza party or a sub party. So either right. way, it's a, it's a nice time. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones. We got Jack in Maine. He's up next year on the program. What's up, Jack? No, it's Jackson. Hey, what's up, Jackson? Nothing, nothing. So I don't know if this is grab bag material. I'm not trying to tell you what to do with your show. Congratulations with your show. Oh, thanks, um, Jackson. Yeah, it's huge. Have you heard some of those LeBron quotes at sitting um, after the game last night? Anthony Davis was sitting next to him. I don't know the question he was asked. But basically he just sat back and was like, yeah, I had a good game. I had these numbers. <laughs> I did this. I oh, did this. Yeah, we lost, but. And I just, I, I don't know. It just, game one. And it just was like, yeah. really? That's the worst. I, I don't know. I just I just want, want to know if it was grab bag stuff or just what you, you guys thought about that. I didn't want to go off topic on you. Uh, you shall not resist grab bag. Let's be, let's be honest. The whole show is a grab bag. So if you want to if, if call in here and talk about, and especially make fun of LeBron, that is between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. I will take any anti-LeBron call that we can handle. Yeah, but that's classic. That's par for the course. They lose. He played well, so he's good with it. He's also uh, saying like he's putting it all on the team as far as like his yeah. minutes go and all that other stuff. He's obnoxious, and it was good to see the Nuggets beat him last night. LeBron, see, I love LeBron as a basketball player. I love you know just like Peyton Manning, all timer. But LeBron with his whining and Peyton Manning, we had, uh, you know I'm just gonna be honest, we had some protection problems out there today. Like you don't ever do that, kids. Don't ever do that. Never highlight. Another teammate's inadequacies. Don't ever show up your team crap in the bed. You win and mm-hmm. lose the team, even if the other guys totally yeah. mess up. He can't do it. If you want to weigh in, uh, you can. 617-779-7937. Revolution fans, we have 
Uh, Dave Romney's going to join the show at 9 o'clock, talk about the Revs' uh, playoff series coming up against the Union. I, we're also going to ask him, we have to ask him about uh, Bruce Arena and everything that happened with the team this year. That was pretty crazy. And, of course, Grab Bag coming up at 9.20. So this is the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy here on WEI. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch or on YouTube. Find WEI at Twitch TV or YouTube.com. And join in the conversation in the chat. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEI. I mean, I don't, that's not the end that we didn't win, but I think for me, my performance and what I did individually in the time that I was out there, I think I was productive. I think so. I, mean, I was a plus seven for the game, no turnovers, so. I like the no turnovers more than anything. Um, so. <laughs> that is hilarious. I had not heard that. I had read something about LeBron from last night. Back here on the Rich Keefe Show with Fitzy. But we should have had a caller <laughs> ask about uh, the LeBron comments. Man, that's even crazier than what he said. He's like, yeah, individually I played great. I, mean, I know we lost, but he straight up says, but individually I was, I was great. Plus, I was plus seven. So if we only kept score when I was on the floor, we win the game. <laughs> what a clown. I don't know how people like this guy. Like, I know he's he's a great player. I've never once said he isn't a great player. But it's stuff like that. And there's so many of them that they kind of, like, you forget them. You live it. Like, we're going to forget about that comment in, like, a week because there's going to be something else. And you say, keep going through them. But, like, what a, what a plus joke. Seven for the game. Yeah, great. You lost. Yeah, you know, but I play great. No turnovers. <laughs> yeah. Real team player. Yeah, seriously. Real team player. I mean, he must just be in this point in his career now where he doesn't feel like he needs to, uh, uh, that he doesn't need to accomplish anything else, like team-wise, no grand accomplishments. No, he doesn't. I mean, he wins a sh- absolute sham title, and I will go to my grave, Fitzy, saying that there's no way the Lakers win the title in 2020 if it wasn't for COVID putting a pause on the season and then sending it to the Mickey Mouse bubble because those guys, Anthony Davis and LeBron didn't have to play 82 games. There was no home court advantage. So teams like Milwaukee and others that like built up a good record, they didn't like, there was no travel, like all that stuff. So like that's such a sham title. And otherwise it would have been just a complete failure of a time like they, they've missed the playoffs i think more than they've made it with lebron in la yeah i don't understand why like at this point now he just can't be he can't lebron things up like that like yeah. why Why would you need to point that out like who on the <laughs> team is gonna re- who on his team is gonna respond to that uh, who's gonna be like yeah you know what we did let lebron down tonight they can't say really anything no turnover so so you know that's pretty good so you guys when i'm not on the court you guys need to win you guys need to at least break even, and then we'll win the games. He's talking about his own plus minus. Look, oh, that's hilarious. Uh, a question I've been meaning to ask you, Fitzy. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about it being October and the spooky season, and you have a couple of young sons, and they want to watch horror movies, and we were trying to kick around the ideas of, like, which ones could they possibly watch. So I'm curious, have yes. you given them any – Did you any of our recommendations did they watch, and if so, did they like them? No, the youngin has still resisted. He wants to. He wants to. He's waited for this weekend for Five Nights at Freddy's, and then right. he wants to see if he can pass the test with that. And if so, then he's willing to take on another one. I tried to. That's the measuring stick. With something. 
Yeah, I, okay. I, I felt like that was a pretty aggressive measuring stick considering he thinks it's going to be tolerable, but, you know, it looks like there are some pretty intense, potentially gruesome scenes. I offered uh, <laughs> some lighter fare, maybe a reviewing of the Monster Squad, maybe some goosebumps just yeah. to try to, like, yeah, way yeah, in. But yeah. no, he wants to dive right, right into in this there. one. Now, it is PG-13, but it does look scary. This Five Nights at Freddy's, it's coming out this weekend, as Fitzy said, in theaters, right? It's not a streamer. It's a, it's No, it's theaters. also on the, the Peacock. Oh, it is on Peacock, too. All right. Yes. I'll give it a go. I will give it a, give it a rip. But, uh, yeah, I don't, it looks pretty spooky, if you ask me. From Five Nights at Freddy's right to Faces of Death. There you go. That, that, it's a gateway drug. All right. Well, that's, I mean, it's <laughs> a pretty... Uh, a, yeah. It's a pretty steep leap there, Stanley. Oh, Thank you very much for that. I remember watching that as a young kid. Oof. Do you remember what the yeah. first horror movie was that you watched? Do you have any idea? Oof, that's a tough one. It, it, I watched on purpose or by accident? I guess either way. Yeah. Like the first one that you walked in on, you're like, oh my God. That one I don't remember. I was scared of everything as a kid. Like every single movie scared me as a kid. And so, yeah, I saw the trailer for uh, the Magic, the one with the uh, the the marionette the puppet that killed people like the doll yikes Did you ever hear about that movie magic it's called yeah no like i'm not 1980 don't forget i'm a couple of years old no so i know but i've never heard of three it, no. things terrified me as a kid the trailer for alien yeah uh with the just the egg that was cracking open with all the green light coming mm-hmm. out of it horrified me uh magic which was about the uh the doll that came to life long before huh. chucky there was the um the dummy basically that came to life and murdered people and then I was at the drive-in once, m- many times, when uh, back when, now in Braintree by the South Shore Plaza where they have uh, the Logan parking uh, parking lots there that you can take a bus in, mm-hmm. used to be a twin drive-in. And I was in the backseat of the old Chevrolet after we saw Star Wars. And I was my it was the classic like your parents would sit in the front seat and just rip some butts and you know <laughs> yeah, just drink some canned in. beers yeah 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 the BYO <laughs> yeah. and they would leave the kids in the back seat of the car under a blanket yep. so I woke up at one point <laughs> and while my parents were watching some adult film ahead of us I looked over across to the other drive-in screen at the twin drive-in and it was Phantasm oh god and I watched a scene where like that magic ball yes. with the knife coming out of it chased someone down the house and just like plowed right into their forehead I didn't sleep for a week no that that is definitely intense terrified me I think I watched terrified me Silence of the Lambs was on TV it was on like ABC wow so obviously it was edited and it was just it was a tough go because that movie's so intense and then it's like and here's a commercial and then it cuts to like you know <laughs> some fast food thing, and you're like, "All right, what?" And then it goes back to the movie. But do you remember your first uh, horror My, movie? Sis? Mine may have been Nightmare on Elm Street, which may be oh. why I'm a Fredhead. And also, Magic <laughs> has an 87 on Roddy T's. I what? May have, yeah, I may, really? Yeah. Wow. I, may, I may have to go check this out. That is rare. No, I, it is ter- like it, there's like a Charlie McCarthy looking doll, but he doesn't want to just like. Have fun with your kids. He wants to stab you in the face. I mean, for the last three weeks, Stiz and I off air have just basically only discussed horror movies, and Magic has never come up. I've never even heard of I've it. I've never heard of it, yeah. So, yeah, right. it's a, it's a vintage one. I think the first horror movie I ever saw straight through was Halloween. Oh, yeah. I remember, Jaws maybe, yeah. but I would even... Jaws, Jaws is a thriller more to me than it is a horror film. Yeah, I think. I mean... Yeah, that's fair. It could be both, but I'm with you. Yeah. That makes sense. Halloween. Halloween. I would say Halloween, and still to this date, like first and best. It's incredible. I remember because it was like so hyped up, and I didn't, I didn't see it until I was probably in like high school, and I was like blown away by how good the movie was, right? Because like, yeah, there's you know Michael Myers, and it's it's supposed to be scary and all this stuff, but like the stuff, like I'm in, like what a great story, what a, the whole thing was awesome, and the score, 
scores is so insane. good, dude. Well, John Carpenter scores all of his own movies. Yeah, yeah, and they're all very simple scores. I gave... he actually tours with a band. Oh, he does. Plays his movie themes. Yes, I give John Carpenter a lot of credit. However, listen to the Halloween theme and then listen to the Exorcist theme and tell me how different they are. Mm, Not very. They're yeah. eerily similar, but hey. If, if did you have like a works, did you have like a, a like a horror movie buddy that you would watch with, a lot with in high school, Rich? Uh, I had one, my best buddy Jack. We used to like. I think we had a run. He was way yeah. more into horror movies than I was. So I think, I think there was a point where we may have done like a bunch of Friday night sleepovers. Oh yeah, and it was like Halloween followed by Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh yeah, well by... I mean, uh, Davey Eyeballs from the hashtag Dork yeah, yeah. Podcast. We went to uh, high school together, and uh, yeah, we would. There'd be ones that he had watched growing up that I didn't, and then kind of like vice versa. And so, yeah, we would watch a lot of horror stuff together for sure. Yeah, you gotta have a yeah, you gotta you gotta have a buddy. Stiz, you, have a bu- you have a horror buddy? Stiz? Yeah, well, yeah, I am I, my uncles. Believe it or not, I would okay. watch a lot of them with my uncles. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Very good. <laughs> my uncle. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. not? Hey, nothing wrong with that. All right, three hours down, one hour to go. You can join us here on the Rich Keefe Show at 617-779-7937. Also, when we get back, Revolution fans, Dave Romney will uh, join the show as the Revs get set for the first round of the MLS Cup coming up this Saturday against Philadelphia. So we'll talk to Dave coming up next.